Hey friends, today it is zone zero as we dive into permaculture and the zones that are built that it's built upon and um, zone zero is the home. We're going to talk about how we can make a more permaculture friendly house, home, living environment, whether you have an outside space or not, this is for you. Uh, if you didn't catch our last episode on what permaculture is and how we're going to be doing a deep dive, then check that out maybe before you listen to this one. But either way, we're glad you're here and hope you enjoy. Hey friends. Welcome to The Schoolhouse Life, where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling, self-sufficient family homestead. We go back to basics in all things family, faith, and farming, and we're eager to teach you what we've learned, everything from growing a garden to earning an income to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle. We're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too. Okay, so zone zero. Sounds like it sounds like the meaningless number. It does, but it's not. It's, imagine this, it, it's like a circle yeah. of love. In this application, it is probably the most important because if Zone Zero is not happy, none of the zones Ooh, are happy. It's like it's like the beating heart of the entire system. I think right. I said I saw somebody say yesterday that if the kitchen is the hub of the home, the table is the heart of the home. I think it depends <laughs> on how how you have it set up, but I yeah. mean it lends itself to like. I think we should start at the beginning though, because I was going to say let's start in the kitchen because it's it's kind of the biggest biggest to do. But I will say that if you have just bought a property and you're building a home on it, mm. then you have this huge opportunity to like <laughs> I don't know exponentially improve the permaculture ability of your home. Yeah, um, I feel like if you're shopping for properties too, mm, which a yeah. lot of people are doing, this also. is also very important. Which I'll say, even our first house that we bought on like less than a quarter acre, it was oriented perfectly and was really ideal for a permaculture situation. And and we sort of knew that going in, although we were not permaculture certified at that time. We knew we wanted uh, we wanted a backyard space. We knew it had a backyard. That was about yeah. all. We and it had sun. There were not a lot. And of it was and it was affordable. And it was affordable. <laughs> and it worked out that it was exactly what we needed to get started. So yeah. thankful for that little property. But um, the house was also south facing, so we ended up pretty. So much why is that important? Um, so the back of it was south facing, which I think is ideal. I mean, if your front is south facing, that's fine too. But I think ideally back door goes out to the south wherever side. you're gonna grow yeah you, you want, want on south facing yeah yeah which could be just as nice on the front side if you're if yeah. you're in a neighbor anywhere anyway. so when you're looking at your house if you don't already know mm. um you need to know where north south east and west is mm -hmm. and familiar so oh, even if you don't familiarize yourself even with if those. you're in an apartment you want to know right. which windows are yeah. going to the south window because that is where your plants will grow right, right. So, or die depending or, on depending what on what plant yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so orienting your house is really a crucial step and you know you can work with whatever you've got but if you're just building um or if you're just mapping out and i would encourage you as you work your way through these episodes to go ahead and print out um, a, a zoomed in um copy of the the google satellite, you, map. satellite map yeah, yeah because it's really nice and just be ready to draw get some pencils there's also uh every county has what's called a gis so if you google like we're in guilford county so if you guilford guilford county gis then you can type in your address and it has satellite images and what's kind of fun about that is you can go back to previous years and see like how the properties developed maybe get a little clue 
as to what was going on. And that that is a really good to have like kind of multiple. Sometimes they have like layers that you can put on there so you can see your mm. topographic water, like water runoff or flood zones. Mm-hmm. You know, those are all all good things to know about mm-hmm. your property. Yeah. That's again, back to that observation, right? Right. That's what we want to do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, observe your property. Notice what way it's oriented, um, especially like which way is the south side. There's a lot of things that will grow better on the north side of a house, especially if you're in a zone in the middle. Like if I want to grow something um, that would grow better, like lilacs, for example, don't generally grow super well here. But if I find a nice shady north facing side, I actually can grow lilacs pretty well. Yeah. So um, there's just some things to be aware of. But back into the house. Back into the house. Zero. You, you can also grow a lot of plants inside. Yeah. So that can be house plants that clean the air. Mm. Um, that can be edible plants. Like we have a ginger plant in a pot growing right now because mm-hmm. in North Carolina, it's too cold for ginger to make it over winter, mm-hmm. but it'll grow in a pot just fine. And we bring a lot of things inside from outside. This year I did better than I have done. I'm, it's been, you know, one of those things. It's a learning curve. I keep trying to, to learn how to propagate or take a cutting and, you know, all of those things. And this year is doing better than years past. But um, so I brought my patchouli in. And what else did I bring in? We have our coffee tree inside. Coffee we have tree, lemon, lemon trees, trees yeah. inside. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's lots of different edible plants that you can start growing um i saw a guy that an olive tree for a while but i think it's gonna be fine yeah outside. it seems like it's still pretty happy outside yeah um close to the house yeah we'll talk about that when we get to zone one right, right, right. we're still in zone zero <laughs> yeah i've seen some other people say like you can grow microgreens inside oh, of course, you know yeah. really easily mm-hmm. if you have like a basement or a space where you can put a grow light up there's a lot that you can grow we're really jumping light. ahead because I was thinking we would get to plants last, but I guess this is the best place to start. Because, yeah, we also have a south-facing door, like double door, and we have a green, one of those tall, shelfy greenhouses that stands in front of that. And it is ideal for growing, starting seats on. And then it also, we have, we put, built in a garden window on that side of the house, knowing that this is going to be ideal for starting seeds and uh, growing plants. Long-term. I will say the garden window has been more challenging than I thought it would be. Mm. I really thought you would plant seeds in there and they would just grow really well. And Without lights. and Yeah. No, because the problem is, is that there's no sunlight. <laughs> I know, I know. But I think it, I've noticed it's also pretty cold. Like, mm. because it's winter time. Like and when it's you, glass. Yeah, and it's yeah. glass. And, like, Lacey put up a plastic kind of, like, barrier from the rest of the house to it. And when you pull that back, it's like cold air in there. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I feel like there's a whole lot more learning. To we do, do put a warming that. mat in there and it works yeah. pretty well, but if that's yeah. not running, it doesn't. Yeah. So, um, I think it's a great window. Like, you know, there are a lot of things that need to come in through the winter that it would, they would be fine in that window, but they're yeah. not going to live outside. Yeah. So I think what I'm going to shift towards is doing all my seats starting in the stacked thing. Yeah. And then just use that window for those things that I bring in during the summer. Yeah, like our pineapples last winter made winter, it through. Excuse me. Yeah, exactly. Through there, so they're not. No, they're not going to make it this year because they're in the hoop <laughs> house. We left them in the hoop house, yeah. <laughs> Whoops. But anyway. Um, yeah, so seed starting and plant. So think about what you want to accomplish in your house. I think it's really important, too. If you're designing your house, if you're renovating, think about little things you can incorporate. And that was one major thing when we did the addition that we knew we're like, we want this garden window. We want this garden window. And so we put that in. And, and we wanted a lot of windows facing the South, exactly. facing out over the garden. 
but then kind of not quite on purpose. We the way our windows are is during the winter the sun dips down lower, so it heats our house through these windows. But in the summer, it's up above the eve of the house, so we don't have the direct summer sunlight coming mm. through the windows. So mm-hmm. it, it that's called passive solar, and that has worked out really well. Mm. There's it, whole house designs, yeah, based on the idea of passive solar, and right. they're really smart, so smart. And yeah. I will say, even in the winter that side of the house will warm up significantly faster than the other side of the house if the wood stove is not on. Right. Which the wood stove is on the other side of the house. So yeah. it works out the north north side. So it works out pretty well. But um, yeah. Okay. So then let's talk about like just like regular living. We've got the kitchen. Um, again, we have the garden as, as, as close to the kitchen as we can. The kitchen's on the second story. So it's, you know, you have to go downstairs and out the back door to get to the garden for us. Um, and we did talk about on the last episode how we could do better where we come in from our cars is on the top level. Um, and we could plant more there and we have, we've grown, I've had garden beds right there. Even on the railing. Yeah. Um, we have like a walkway up to the house with a railing. We could have window boxes on there growing plants and we have have. before. Yeah, we've done lettuces and stuff. It's pretty shady there. It just doesn't get very much sun. So lettuce is about all you can But lettuce you could grow inside in pots also. That's true. Exactly. Um, so yeah, but the kitchen, I mean, when we, we, we actually did renovate our kitchen, um, several years after moving in and, and just made it way more efficient. And one of the major things was the windows. We added a ton of windows because the house that we bought was eighties ranch that has little turret windows that I call it the, the ranger station because it looks like a ranger station with these tiny little windows. It's better now yeah, because we knocked out a wall and put all windows in, but, um, for us, light is really important because we want to grow all those plants. And before we did those windows, I couldn't keep a plant alive in our house. No, we didn't really have no any windows what, to put there was plants nothing. in. Yeah. There now was. we it might look like we live in a jungle a little bit. Somebody is <sighs> a little bit on the crazy side with the plants. <laughs> um, but it's just something, you know, I love doing, so I do it. Um, but the kitchen is really efficient, too. We actually designed it with two islands um, because we have a large family. We cook a lot. My kids bake constantly they're probably down there baking right now um and it you know it was the most effective way for us to use the space because we kitchen a lot (laughs) so we ferment a lot we um have sourdough going a lot of times we make kombucha you know we do all these things on the counter we needed as much counter as we could get (laughs) yeah and thinking about setting up things like no matter what size your kitchen is like having little zones like a fermentation station Mm -hmm. you know counterculture kind of thing Mm -hmm. is a good idea to have in your kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other genius thing that Lacey did was when we did the kitchen is putting all the plates down low so that at that time we had smaller kids mm-hmm. and they could reach all the plates and help participate with emptying the dishwasher and um, setting the table and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. that I feel like that all falls in the zone zero of just Kind of working efficiently mm-hmm. and trying to find ways to make your house work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what's next on your notes? I was thinking gray water we could talk about. <laughs> That's a really a step in a different direction, but it kind yeah. of goes in line with like bathrooms and kitchens. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, let's go ahead to the. So we did this years ago. We um, went under, I went under the house and just plumbed, replumbed um, the dishwasher the washing machine and the kitchen sink i think that was it 
to just go straight out to the garden. Mm. And uh, we did that for years. Uh, unfortunately, when we did our addition, we couldn't have it keep going that way anymore. But we have a septic system, which right. is sort of like a giant gray water tank. So It is. It's just not, ma- I don't think, using it to the best no. of its ability. Mm-mm. Because you can, we had that pipe just going out into our garden and then it would go into swales. And then, you know, even through the summer, my ultimate goal was to also do our showers um through that also which let me take you back a step because i think this is really a key component and that is the products you use in your home right right like we talk a lot about gardening not using toxic chemicals on our garden but not using toxic things in your home is key crucial and this is something that anyone can do to improve the environment and their own bodies and their property and their property right but those chemicals are so harsh on your body i mean i could go on for hours about that but choosing products that are biodegradable that are natural that are um that are good made from nature products is really really important and especially if you're going to be using gray water yeah and i think it's a great like lesson is if you start thinking about like your wastewater that gray water um going onto your garden Mm. and what chemicals can your garden handle and you really like we kind of went down a rabbit hole with that for us it was easy because we were already living like a non-toxic lifestyle Mm -hmm. but I think we still had a couple of things we had to change up a little bit. Mm, I think uh, the dishwasher is always the hardest. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, we use non-toxic dishwasher soap, which is a sacrifice because it definitely doesn't clean the same as, what is it? Cascade. 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 Yeah. <laughs> we had a guy repair our kitchen. Our, well, he quote unquote repaired our dishwasher at one point. And he said that there was no way our dishwasher would ever work because we weren't using Cascade. Right. And then um, to some degree, he was kind of right. Well, he wasn't wrong, although I've used natural detergent. and. Uh, my advice to you is to get the the cheapest possible dishwasher you could buy because they seem to work better than the ones that you pay a lot <laughs> of does, money for. It does seem that way. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, so the products that you use are a part of, they're a part of how you interact with nature because even though you aren't making them, you could make them, right? Or you should be able to make them. Uh, you can make them, you know, like challenge yourself. Like is what you're using something that you could replicate at home? Or um, maybe you want to try to make something at home. Um, but that is a one of the like huge things about choosing a permaculture lifestyle is really evaluating every element. Is it something that you could make if you needed to? And I think when um, when we started the homesteading life, we sort of that was the mentality we sort of assumed is I always say that I think I've said this before on the show, but just is this something that Abraham could have done? Abraham, the biblical forefather. Oh, right. Could he have done this or would he have done it this way? And, and try to just kind of see through the layers and layers and layers of like convention and, um, marketing (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, and, um, get back to the bare basics. Um, and I choose in a lot of situations to make something that's pre-made or that I, that I can buy made for the convenience of it. But I also did a took a long period of time where I sort of dissected each thing and made it myself so that I could know if I had to make it, I could make it. If I wanted to make it, I could make it. If I wanted to save money, I could make it because right. generally you charge a premium. You can save things. a lot of money making your own yeah, a, a washing absolutely. machine soap, for instance. But yeah. yeah. And then thinking about like how that zone zero gray water then goes out to like zone one mm-hmm. in the garden you know, there's a lot, um, just thinking about what you're doing and how it influences 
around you, you know, yeah. your zone zero, your community, I guess, in one way is to think about it in that greater community of nature, mm-hmm. like, you know, the soil, the plants, the animals, all of that we have an impact on. And are we making the right decision on well, that? And I think, too, I think it's a, like a bit of a devastation that we still aren't using a composting toilet. I mean, we've right. given it a good a good hard go, but yeah, <laughs> we we don't. You know, right. some luxuries are really difficult to give up, but I do think, oh man, what a waste of waste, right? Like a waste, a waste, of waste. yeah, a waste of this fertility. We could be this, this coming from the lady that I don't think. Did you ever clean the composting toilet out? Clean. That feels like a like I when mean, it was full of poo. Did oh, you did take I ever it empty out? the bucket? Yeah, no, 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 no. yeah. I did not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, it's just another layer of like how that, how far back can you go, right? That is a good uh, zone zero, though, is composting toilet. If you mm. want to go super hippy dippy and ultra hippy, you can go composting toilet. And you can do that wherever you live. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Set one up right next to the regular toilet. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Anyhow, <laughs> I think honestly, I have the hardest time with urine. Like, urine seems like such an easy thing that you can, I mean, because it, it biodegrades pretty quickly or it, like compost pretty quickly. So it's yeah. not you know, like, oh, we should be peeing on the plants or whatever. But, um, you know, we don't. I mean, during the summer, Abraham and I well, try yeah. to do the, the best we can. Do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. But then just moving on, I think one thing I mentioned in the last episode was just like with a living room, you could set up a couch to encourage you to read a book or you could set up a couch that encourages you to watch TV. And I right. think thinking about that thinking about your table like one of the things that i like about our table is that it is um it's set up i've set up a table with all of our homeschooling stuff on it and a lot of crafting things it's like and, a multi-purpose table and it's a multi-purpose table. it's ready to be used in fact it's mostly always used right it's very infrequently an empty table yeah um which is good and bad you know good in that i love knowing that everybody is you know at home there and, and being creative in one way or another um and being able to use it in a way that's um, meaningful. I've seen so many dining room tables that don't get used or just get piled full of junk. And- yeah, I think of ours as like a beautiful mess. You know, there, yeah. there's generally a ton going on. There's it, a story at each Yeah, seat. there's like projects and different things mm. for the most part. For the most part. And I do think like early on, we did make the decision like back to our living room of not having a TV in our living room. So mm. like by default, when we sit down... As a family, we're not watching TV. Or we're in doing our bedrooms. Other things. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like COVID got us a little bit on that because we started, people started retreating back to their bedrooms and we took laptops with us to watch shows, you know. <laughs> Full disclosure, like if we're yeah. being honest. No, here. No, 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 no. Yeah. We do occasionally watch shows on a computer in our room, which I find yeah. though, again, just measures into that holistic context because sometimes it's what, like, that's the retreat I need, right? Right. But, mm-hmm. It's not built in. It's not the lifestyle I'm choosing. It's right. just this momentarily like satisfying thing. To yeah. yeah. Um, and then interestingly, I mean, we have this w- wood stove and everyone's almost always constantly sitting around the wood stove. Yeah. In fact, to the point where you have to fight to find a place in front of it. <laughs> so it almost to an extreme of like, okay, this is ridiculous. Everybody back up. But, um, but what I love about that is people kids and and adults are more apt to sit in front of the wood stove than they are to go out to the the other room to watch tv at this time of year because it's cold out there (laughs) 
So you like really have to commit. You're like, okay, I'm going to watch a movie. So I'm going to get the couch warmed up and get a blanket and get a hot drink. <laughs> but it's not nearly as inviting as the wood stove. And it that's made, the life that we it want. It made me laugh the other, the other night. Eliza was like, she's like, her and Abraham were standing there and he, they were like getting the fire going and it was like roaring. And Eliza's like, man, look at the fire. It's going so well. And Abraham's like, yeah, it keeps us warm. It's our God. Oh, no. <laughs> I heard him say that. And Eliza's like, no, it's not. <laughs> He's like, well, it kind of is. And it was like this whole thing oh, back dear. and forth. But, like, it it was a funny moment of, like, I could see his, like, thought what he process. Was, what he meant of, by that? Like, yeah. yeah, of us, like, gathering around it. <laughs> Slightly maybe, like, a wor- worship, <laughs> you know, like, of this heat source. Thank oh, you. No. But, oh, man. It was, it was a really funny <laughs> moment. <laughs> silly well anyways we do we sit around a lot this time of year and then enjoy it thoroughly so um, and the um, nice thing though is the kitchen's right there so you can yeah, be cooking yeah. and enjoying the woods and that makes me think of another point so when we um this takes us outside of zone zero but the firewood mm-hmm. um we strategically put south facing the woodshed is south facing but it's also where uh trucks can come when we buy firewood, they mm-hmm. can deliver the firewood back up to it. But then the firewood is also uphill from our house. So we never push a full wheelbarrow of firewood uphill to the house. We just help it roll down the hill mm-hmm. to our house. Which I think is it. just, I mean, you're just, you're thinking again about how your home functions. That's right. that zone zero. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really, um, and I remember making that decision. Oh, yeah. Where is this yeah. going to go? And that was the best place for sure. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh, something that just came to mind. I actually rearranged a drawer today. If you're on Instagram and you could have seen it in my stories. It was the oil drawer. You know, we have an oil drawer. It's like a massive drawer full of all the oils. And instead of ordering it by alphabetical, I did it by color this time for I fun. Saw that. Just to that see. Fun, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see if it's more frustrating to try to find the oils in there than it used to be. I feel like no one was participating. It'll be easier to get them back in place. Though. No one was participating in the alphabetical order other no. than me. So every once in a while, I'd have to go through and put them all back in alphabetical order. I didn't even order. know it was alphabetical. The other thing is, is we get, like, if we get a new oil, it'd be really frustrating because then I'd have to, like, redo all the stickers and all of the, like, labels to get everything in because, you know, if it's back at the beginning of the alphabet, then that's moving everything. Anyway, so... This way is a little bit more fluid and you can move things a little bit more easily. But um, it's pretty full and it just feels better because it's nice and it's going to be useful. And it made me think like, okay, what are the other areas of my house? Like we talked about with the cleaning metaphor, like you clean one thing and then you see, oh, I got to clean that too. Right. And it's a good feeling to get these things done. You turn around and there's just this feeling of like ease after you've cleaned out the house. Um, But I posted that picture and then my sister on the photo said something about books and she had done her books in a rainbow. And oh, how, man. How that was frustrating. I've heard it's good for kids because kids are never going to arrange my subject, which is what I want them to be arranged as. Yeah. Um, but color, they can sort pretty easily if they, you know, are paying attention. Yeah. Um, but that brings me to like the sorting of books is like this constant battle in our house because, A, there might be a bit of an influx of books. Um, it's almost as bad as the plant problem. It 
Yeah. Well, now we've got a lot of people participating in the influx of the books. We went to a used bookstore yesterday and everybody brought home books. It wasn't just, it's never just me. I'm the one with the problem, but it's never just (laughs) me bringing them home. (laughs) Maybe have the problem and have created the problem. (laughs) Anyway, so I'm now thinking, okay, how in the world am I going to, in our house, create a place? Because we have books all over. The kids have bookshelves in their rooms and I have, we have bookshelves in our room. Like we really just need a a library, a library, a book, like, just shelves and shelves of books. We need like a shed that's just a library that you just go out there. Yeah. Well, I do. So Lisa, my, you know, our friend at This Pilgrim Life, if you haven't checked her out on Instagram, you should. Um, anyway, she, I went to her house recently and she has just these Ikea. I forget. We have some of those. Yeah, shelves. sure. And she has them lined up on one whole wall in her living room, dining room area. And all her books are right there. Every single book I think they have. All and of our books would not fit on that. Yeah, they would. She has other stuff on there, too. If yeah. we just had books, that would... She did have another shelf of books, too. But anyway, this book... this It was just... It was beautifully laid out. She had the, like, spiritual religion section. She had the, like... Um, By Dewey Decibel system? No, I mean, Dewey Decibel is brilliant, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not implementing that in my house. No one would ever return their books. Um, but anyway... It just makes me think, okay, we, we read a lot of books. We use books. And so often, we'll be studying something... And I'm like, oh, I know we have a book about this. And then I can't find it. It drives me crazy. <laughs> um, so I need to have a better way to keep them organized. I yeah. think every once in a while I do it. And I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Anyway, this is totally, I mean, it's such a permaculture problem. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just seeing a big shed that we keep all our books in. Like a library. Like, the that's a, like a library. library. Yeah. yeah. I love yeah. it. Except for it wouldn't be heated and cooled. It could be. It could be. You put a mini split in there. Fancy. Dang. All right. I think that's a uh, enough on zone zero. Is it? Yeah. Well, let me hold, let's just let me check my note. Oh, because no, there's here's a major one that you're going to be like, okay. oh, well, no, we can't. It's talked about gray water. Yeah. But we did not talk about water catchment at all. Water catchment. Water catchment yeah. is huge because the number one producer of water on our property, of most properties, is the house is and the roof. anything with a roof. Yeah. Um. Do you remember the numbers of the roof? How it's like water. that, like in a one inch rain event, it's like thousands of gallons on like a 1500 to 2000 square foot house. Right. I mean, I know like we hooked up two um, IBC totes, so it's like 500 gallons mm-hmm. and to one gutter. And in one uh, half inch rain event, we filled up both of them mm-hmm. just off of like one corner of the house. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's not even the whole of the gutters. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about, we've talked to a lot of people in their homesteads and one of the major problems is they have erosion or they don't have enough water. Right. And that Or is, they have both. Or they have both. Right. Yeah. And it's generally not that they, it's not like it's from the house. Right. The problem is the house. Yeah. Um. So anyway, uh, and because it's not just the house, it's usually the driveway too, you know. Well, and we've done things also like our downspouts go into drainage pipes that like connect and then come out a little bit farther down the hill. Little ponds. And there we've created little ponds to slow the flow in a rain event so that it's not shooting out Mm -hmm. at full speed. So there's like, if you're not ready for the rain barrel, you can do something else, you know, just think about as that water's coming out of those downspouts, how are you slowing it down? Or if you don't have gutters, how are you catching that rain as it comes off the roof? Like for us, we have the schoolhouse has a major issues with erosion down the driveway. And a lot of that is because we don't have gutters on the 
roof and we there need to create like planting zones underneath the drip of the roof line Mm -hmm. or we need to, you know, add gutters. So there's just being aware of it and figuring out how to work with what's happening to make it better. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to give you one challenge, a couple of assignments, but one real challenge. Um, The assignments, and we said this on the last episode, but we want you to print a map of your home from the Google satellite or the GIS, whichever. Um, Print that out so that you can start drawing on your homestead map. Um, And really, maybe you've already done this and you just can start adding some layers to it as we talk about them. Um, But in the home, I want you to like have that too, you know, like map out the rooms because obviously like the floor plan. Exactly. Um, And maybe even just make little lists of things that you're going to change. And it doesn't have to be massive. There doesn't have to be a major renovation or anything. Water is obviously a huge one. How can you implement the changes that Drew was just talking about and harness that water as it comes off the roof, especially in off driveways and whatnot? Um, and we'll talk more about water as we go on. Water is a huge part of permaculture. Um, but the challenge that I wanted to offer, and one thing that I really like, sometimes get right, sometimes I don't get right, but is that looking at one specific place in your house and thinking about one thing that you wish you did more of or that you you want to um, facilitate in your home, that you want to encourage happening in your home, whether that's um, creativity or, um, you know, I, like I feel like creativity is sort of the overall arching, like something creative. I want you to do something. Well, actually, no, it could be something good health related. So thinking about your bathroom, you could go into your bathroom and set up a system of like, maybe it's just a skincare routine that you want to implement because you're like, you know, I've been seeing lines, dark circles, whatever the case may be. And it really can be hard to change what you've been doing. You know, it can, whatever it is for your skincare, for your, for your diet, whatever. What can you do? What can you change in your bathroom to set up this little beautiful spa-like experience in your bathroom on your, on your, um, on your vanity or your sink? What can you lay out so that it's just ready? Maybe you install a shelf and you just put the products one, two, three in a row that you're going to use. It doesn't have to be elaborate. You know, like some of the best skincare routines are the simplest ingredients that it could just be coconut oil and shea butter, right? Like it just does not have to be fancy products. Um, and then even thinking about in your in your living room or your dining room area, where can you set up a place that would be a creative space that you can sit down and easily pull out pencils and paper or watercolors or pastels or crocheting or embroidery or something that's just there and ready to go. I think that a lot of times we bury these things, we hide them away on a top shelf somewhere. We're like, yeah, we'll get that out every once in a while. But the harder they are to dig out, the less likely we are to use them. And what we want to do is we want to create a lifestyle that's serving us on every level. And I think permaculture thinks about that. Maybe not in if you read Bill Mollison's permaculture manual, right? right? But if you're thinking in a lifestyle context, what do you want out of your life? What do you want to show for it? Most of us want to develop skills that are useful and beautiful, even and pleasing and satisfying. And maybe they're not perfect, but there's something that we spend our time doing that wasn't just watching TV, right? And right. maybe it means you watch TV and you knit at the same time. I don't know. There's no judgment there. But we have this tendency as a culture to fall on watching TV or scrolling our phones or taking in some kind of media as a way of passing the time those moments when we are quote unquote bored. And what if we set up little stations around our home that encouraged us to do something else and made it really easy to do something else, something that we can get lost in and, and heck it could just be a puzzle. <laughs> I'm totally oh, on board with puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that that's my challenge to you. Um, 
before our next episode comes out, what's a space in your room or your house or your living room in general, anywhere in your, your house in general that, um, that you can set up little areas. And I think of like a Montessori classroom or a kindergarten classroom, you know, it's like, there's something so appealing about walking into one of those classrooms, Having those little stations. seeing those little stations yeah. and you're like, Ooh, I want to do the station. And they want to do the station yeah. and I want to do the station, make your house a station house. Like what are the stations in your house that are set up for you and your family? Um, to, to live life in a really beautiful way. So yeah. that's it. Perfect. <laughs> All right, friends, join us uh, on oh, the wait, next wait, wait. episode. Share those with us too, because if you do that, I yeah. want to know what you're doing. Yeah, so tag us on social tag media. Tag us or email us or message us or whatever. I want to see what's happening. Yeah, send us email, uh, info at theschoolhouselife.com. And we're Schoolhouse Life everywhere on social. Mm. Um, thanks for listening and can't wait for you to hear the next episode. We'll be talking about zone one and what that looks like on your property.